0: This is Real Estate Rookie episode 354. My name is Ashley Care, and I am here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson.
1: And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And boy, do we have a story for you today.
0: So we have a special guest, Brett Long, on today, and he is actually going to give us some great tips about flipping. So we're going to be talking about writing letters to find deals. Um, We're going to go through the process that Brett uses and, just to give you an idea, you don't need a lot of money to actually do the process that he does to find houses to flip.
1: We're also going to touch on Ashley's biggest fear, which is talking to off-market <laughs> sellers. How do you approach those people? What do you say? And how do you actually make it a, a conversation that both of you end up
2: enjoying?
0: So Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the the time to join us today to share your advice and your experience.
2: Yeah, no. Glad, glad to be here and uh, and thankful for the opportunity to, to come talk to you today.
0: So we understand you've been investing since 2020. Can you kind of give us an overview of what your portfolio looks like today? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, today, I've got three single family homes uh, in my smaller uh, market. And then I've got another triplex that's a little bit closer to home. Uh, and between those six doors uh total value is just shy of 1.5 uh million dollars and the monthly cash flow is right around uh $2200 a month.
1: First congratulations man. That is amazing to to be able to achieve those numbers uh in a relatively short period of time man. So I'm 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 super excited to dig into how you made that happen but um before we hear more about kind of your marketing and what steps you've taken what are you doing right now that's working in this day and age? There's a lot of folks, Brett, who are on the sidelines waiting for the, the perfect Goldilocks situation to get that first real estate investment. So what are you seeing that's working right now for those people?
2: Three, three main things that, that are working, right? Uh, targeted lists, uh, with specific buy box and, you know, knowing exactly what you're going after and being very specific about it. Uh, two is personalized mailers, getting very specific with the language and information, uh, and, Basically knowing who you're talking to. Uh, and then third, uh, taking that whole process at, at their pace, right? Um, I, I think a lot of people realize that, that most people don't like to be sold to. Um, and so kind of making sure that the whole process works for them, uh, and taking things at their pace.
0: Let's, let's break that down real quick. What is actually a buy box and what are some general things that you should include when building your buy box?
2: Uh, yeah. So, to so buy box is, uh, is exactly like it sounds right like you want to you want to put certain things in the box uh for for what you're looking for right uh and so that's you know property type location um that could be square footage uh that could be you know a very specific type of real estate whether that's single family small multifamily uh, apartment buildings um really just getting very specific with exactly what you want to invest in um and and being able to paint that picture of that's what I'm looking for.
1: So Brett, I want to know, uh, what was your buy box when you first started and what steps did you take to build that out? Because I think for a lot of rookies that are listening, they maybe can understand the concept of buy box, but it's like, how, how are people coming up with these boxes? Right. Or is it just arbitrary? Like, are there, there certain questions you're asking yourself? What steps did you take to build out your buy box initially?
2: Uh, for me, it, it was, uh, is more of a an emotional decision, but but also uh, an economic decision. Uh, so you know, starting out, I knew I wanted to get into real estate. Didn't know where or how. Um, and like a lot of people, I thought my direct market that that I live in um, was too expensive because everything's always too expensive. Um, however, uh, I grew up in a smaller town uh, about an hour down the road, uh, and realized you know maybe that's uh, an easier way, a uh, more comfortable way for me to enter enter into real estate investing. Um and so, you know, I've I've always loved driving uh to and from school uh through some old historic neighborhoods back in my hometown. Uh and you know, we've got hundred-year-old homes uh and you know I've drove drove through those uh back and forth across town for you know 15, 20 years uh, and always saw these beautiful houses. However over time, you know they they started getting run down. Uh and those are you know to me kind of a, a historical element of our town and one that I didn't want to see go away. Right. Um, and so uh, I think at that point I realized, you know, it, it all comes together, you know, this smaller market that I felt was a little, little less risky, a little better entry point, uh, but also uh, being able to, to own and, and work on and improve these, these houses that I loved so much uh, growing
1: up. Right. You're, you're a much uh, more, Admirable real estate investor than I am because your buy box was emotional and and data driven. Uh, reminds me of our friend. I have a friend named Katie Neeson. She's a Katie develops on Instagram, but um, she's on a on a mission to like revitalize her downtown. So a lot of her buy box is kind of built around this desire to to bring her downtown back to life. But for me, it was very much economical, right? Like I was just thinking. What's my budget? Like, well, like, what can I actually afford to purchase? So that puts a cap, typically on purchase price and kind of size of property. Um, what what zip code do I want to invest in? Like, where where have I seen kind of the strongest rental data to, to support what it is I'm looking for? Um, and then also just like like uh, condition the property. Like, what kind of rehab budget am I or rehab project am I willing to take on? And when you think about those things, your ability to purchase, uh, you know, location data and project scope. Usually, those are things that you kind of put together to build out your buy box,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so I can definitely speak to uh, to more of the economic side of things as well. Um, so you know, starting out, like a lot of newbies don't have uh, a lot of money to to invest as well. So you know looking for a lower price point. Um so looking for something probably about hundred twenty thousand dollars all in um, when I was starting out, uh, and that that includes purchase and rehab costs and holding costs uh, along with that. Uh, but also to to your point um getting smart about you know places of population growth and economic drivers right uh, and I think that's something that that keyed me on to uh my hometown because you know when I was growing up, city was pretty much the same for for what seemed like twenty years uh, and you know I left for a long time and and came back uh, in the area more recently and realized a lot had changed right um, there were a lot of industrial parks being being built, um, a lot of life sciences and manufacturing companies who were coming uh, to build in Sanford. Uh, And, you know, it's a more affordable market than uh, the Raleigh area uh, that I'm based in in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, And I think uh, one of the biggest things that hit me uh, was I was driving through probably late 2019 uh, and saw a Starbucks uh, in my small town uh, and realized, Wait a second. Starbucks, Starbucks is, is putting something in, in this town, um, and realized if they were willing to make the investment, uh, it, it was probably a, a good signal for uh, a growing area.
0: So, Brett, I want to get more into the market, but to clarify, you are actually flipping homes to buy rentals.
2: Correct. Correct. Um, so, uh, a mix of both, uh, uh you know, Burr has always spoken to me, um, but, uh, flipping to be able to continue to generate that uh, revenue to be able to continue to uh, buy and hold basically want to have uh, multiple exit strategies with any property. Uh, but it's got to make sense on both of those ends, uh, whether that be uh, a burr property or being able to flip and sell at the end of the project. And uh, I've actually got two properties, two single family properties that uh, I wanted to have buy and hold uh, originally, but they just made too much sense as flips. Um, and, and so let those go.
0: I'm very curious to hear more about this market where you're able to make that last minute decision, because that's not always the case in every market where you have to plan and strategize ahead of time before actually purchasing the property. But before we get into that, let's take a short break and we'll be right back.
3: Transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com/bp.
1: Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to retirement has two point nine nine percent seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right.
3: Transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com/bp.
0: Okay, and welcome back. Brett is going to talk to us about the market where he is able to make a last-minute decision whether he is going to flip a house or turn it into a rental after doing the rehab. So. Brett, let's get into that market. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and how you found it and decided that you could actually do this in your market?
2: Uh yes. Uh so like, like I said, grew grew up in in the uh in the market, uh, so have kind of an intimate knowledge and also uh still have a, a lot of friends and uh, family that live in that market. So even though I'm not there at,
0: In what market is it, Brett? Uh
2: Sanford, North Carolina.
0: Okay.
1: Sanford. And just to give us some context, Brett, Sanford, like what's the nearest big city
2: we we call it a big city but the capital of north carolina is raleigh north carolina and that's where i live and that's about an hour hour away uh but charlotte north carolina uh is also probably even bigger from a population standpoint uh but that's about two hours away uh to the west
0: tony still doesn't know where that is he doesn't yeah, know. I'm sure, yeah I,
1: I gotta open up the maps right now to, to kind of see where that's at not too but far um, from the
2: north carolina mountains
1: there you go nah um It's a, when you say smaller city, like how many people are actually in that city? Like what's the, what's the population?
2: Yeah, the city population is probably around 30,000. Um, if you, and there's only one real city in the whole county, um, and it's the smallest county in North Carolina, but 50,000 people across, across the entire county. So, you know, it's not a one stoplight town, um, but it's definitely not, not a really large area from a population standpoint, but I think that's definitely going to change, uh, over the course of the next three to five years with all the, uh, all the industry that's moving in, especially with uh, one of the ones I hadn't mentioned, uh, uh, a company called Vinfast uh, is an uh, electric vehicle maker uh, out of Vietnam. They just uh, announced uh, last year uh, that they're going to be probably about 10 minutes down the road from Sanford. Uh, they rezoned part of this area to include it in the Sanford city limits for tax purposes. Uh, and again, it's right between where I live and the Sanford market. So, uh, you know, Sanford's definitely a path of progress opportunity.
1: Yeah. So just really quickly, Brett, you, you just said an important word. Can you just like, what do you mean when you say path of progress? And what are some of the indicators a Ricky should maybe look for to, to know if the city they're thinking about is also in a path of progress?
2: Right. Uh, so, you know, in, in a lot of different markets, uh, especially over the past three years with with how much uh, real estate has, has boomed, uh, you know, a lot of markets feel too expensive and when you feel that way, a lot of other people feel that way as well. And there's a lot of different ancillary markets that live outside of those major areas. And you know, companies and corporations understand this as well. Uh, and so they're they're moving slightly outside of that range uh, in order to be able to capitalize on lower prices uh, from land and development standpoint uh, and still be close enough to these major markets that that they can they can be there in a short amount of time. Uh, and so the path of progress is kind of understanding where those uh, company industries are moving to, uh, and, and getting in the path of progress before the major population growth happens so that you can kind of catch that tailwind.
1: Great great explanation Brett. And I'm honestly I'm seeing a lot of the same things in the short-term rental space as well in the Airbnb industry and a lot of our strategy right now is moving away from some of those big vacation hotspots that everyone across the country knows because those markets are a little overheated in terms of purchase price and you know there's more competition and we're looking for more of those kind of secondary tertiary markets that are outside of those big metros that we can go into. And we're we're actually going to be closing in a couple of weeks here on a 13 unit motel. And it's very much in like a tertiary market, but we've got big uh, goals for this property because one of the benefits is A, lower purchase price. We've got an amazing deal, but B, that lack of competition means that if you just do a little bit better you're really setting yourself up to kind of stand above the competition in that market. So I love to see that it's working both on the short-term side and and the long-term side as well.
2: Uh, absolutely uh, and that that's a great point is the competition piece, and that's not something that that I mentioned when I was talking about it um you know when you start going to these secondary and tertiary markets you're if you're getting there before a lot of other people, there is a lot less competition and especially if you've got a narrow uh, buy box right the the more focused and specific you can get from both a location and a buy box perspective, the less competition you're going to have.
0: So Brett, once you identified this market, what was the actual process you took or you are taking now to source your deals?
2: Uh, Yeah. So the first deal uh, that I got was actually an MLS deal. uh, And uh, it was right at the beginning of 2020, right when they were shutting everything down. Uh, We had just had our second daughter and I convinced my wife that now was the best time to get into real estate during the beginning of a pandemic and just having a new baby girl. Uh, And so... Uh, got that under contract right at the beginning of, of the COVID lockdown uh, and spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears uh working on this house in a very high traffic area uh, of Sanford uh, and transforming what was a an all brown house, uh, like a 1920s all brown two story house uh, that kind of blended into the background uh, and worked on transforming that into uh, the former Former beauty that it had, uh, and now it's a, a, a beautiful light blue house on the corner that uh, that generated a lot of a lot of traffic and conversation in the community because people had driven by this this house for so long, uh, and that that kind of was the the entry point of all right, I I like this buy box. This makes sense. And Ashley, to your question, uh, as I was uh, working on that house uh, during nights and weekends, um, I would literally just drive around the neighborhood uh, and drive for dollars. And, uh, you know, not anything fancy, literally with, with a, a notebook, uh, and my phone camera and taking pictures of these, uh, properties and writing down addresses and dropping pins. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be a long process, you know, 10, 15 minutes at most and, and just doing it where I found time. Uh, and that eventually, you know, built up, you know, it's not a large area, but it, it built up a, a list of, 77 different properties that, that fit my buy box.
1: So Brett, just to clarify here, you said that you were spending 10 to 15 minutes at a time. You built up a list of over 70 properties for you to target. How much did it cost you to
2: do that? Uh, it cost me $0 to do that. Uh, it's, it's time and energy. That's it. Gas
0: money.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Essentially gas money, but it was, it was essentially where I was going to and from anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So to your point, not very much money at all, if any. Um, just it's the energy.
1: And, and the reason I asked that question, Brett, is because there are so many rookies who are listening right now that are not taking action because they don't have the capital, they don't have this, they don't have that. But what you just said is that you built a list of over 70 ideal properties that fit your buy box 15 minutes at a time with zero money. Yes. That means there's no reason for any rookie that's listening to not Replicate what you just said to go out there into their own backyard and start searching for, for deals that same way as
2: well. Exactly, and you know it—it it provides a good kind of training ground if you haven't done any marketing, if you will, uh, or direct mail, um, and, and doing it on a smaller scale and and getting your feet under you and understanding that process and how that looks and how it works uh, to really be able to succeed or fail on a small scale uh, and then be able to tweak that in the future for for any other future marketing campaigns that you might want to do.
0: Tell us a little bit about your branding strategy in the marketing. You know, were you sending out handwritten letters? What, you know, did you get logo design? What are some of the important pieces that somebody should do for their branding as a yard signs? Give us some examples.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it it honestly started with kind of a an overall plan that you know i was i was committed to doing this and i bought this on market property and that i wanted to do off market uh properties uh and listening to the bigger pockets podcast uh, for so long and getting a lot of different ideas and kind of understanding where you want to go ahead of time so you can be thinking about how to prepare and plan for where you want to be right uh, and so during that first project uh, i realized you know if, if i want to if I want to continue do, doing this, I need to be visible and have people understand who I am and what, what I'm doing. You know, even even without having a one to one conversation with them. Um, so one of the first things I did was uh, was go online and create a a yard sign with no logo or anything, just colors and company name. Uh, and at that time, I realized I should probably have a website as well and drive them somewhere so that they understood. Uh, so over the course of about a week, uh, ordered these signs bought a domain, uh, went online and created this website uh, to provide information about who I am and what I do uh, and provide uh, communication and inbound if anyone had questions about what was going on, right? And so stuck this yard sign right out in the middle of the yard. As you know, I was up late afternoon on a hot July painting the side of a house uh, so people could associate, you know, this color scheme and this, this website with, that guy that's up there on, on the ladder doing this work and improving this house. Um, and so, uh, that was kind of the initial phase, uh, of planning for the off market, uh, campaign. And so that second phase was collecting all of those leads, uh, for me to create a list out of and literally again, uh, to what Tony mentioned earlier, uh, Zero cost uh, to find those mailing addresses um, and literally went on our, our city tax site uh, and cross reference those properties to find the mailing address of the owner so I could create this uh, list.
0: Which to clarify, like to break it down even uh, more minuscule as you're going searching your county that you're in and you're looking for the property tax bills. And usually you can just type in the address and it will pull up a copy of the tax bill and it will show you the owner's name and the mailing address where the property taxes are sent to. So that way you know, okay, so the person, you know, doesn't live here or maybe they do live there, but. That's the mailing address where they receive their mail. So it even could be a P.O. box sometimes too.
2: Exactly. And, and you can find out a lot of information on, on these free tax sites, right? Because um, they tell you the mailing address, you know, when the last sale was, what the tax assessment is. Sometimes they provide uh, a drawing of the property itself uh, and when any sort of improvements were made to the property. Um, so a really good space to, to get to learn more about the property itself uh, for free. Um, and so in doing that process, I built out an Excel spreadsheet um, with all of the property owners' names and mailing addresses, uh, along with their property address, uh, and started to create a a mailer piece that I could send to each of these people. Uh, and I, I definitely wanted personalization involved in this. Um, to speak to these people directly because I was letting them know who I was uh, and and wanted to make it more of a a personal touch and not kind of a cold like hey I'm I'm just looking to buy a house just looking to buy a house will you sell me your house
1: so Brett what what exactly did you say like give us the the template of hey how do I create this personalized mailer to to send out to folks
2: uh, yeah and, and I paired that from a branding perspective with what I put on my website as well to kind of echo this. Uh, the sentiment that I was going to be communicating to people, which is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I grew up here. I want to help uh, improve the community and, and save some of these houses uh, that, that are, you know, in maybe ill repair or people just can't keep up with. Um, and, you know, yours caught my eye. Uh, and, you know, at that point, uh, there's a lot more nuts and bolts into the personalization, but, uh, literally taking all the information from the spreadsheet that I built, uh, and including their name, right? The actual property address, uh, and talking about the property, uh, with the information from the sheet. So it isn't just a, Hey, so and so, or hi there. Uh, I like your property at X, uh, and, and really putting a personal touch on there, but essentially introducing them to who I am and, and what my company is about uh, and if they're interested in selling i'd love to have a conversation
0: with them i got a question for you brought on that if an llc owns the property how do you make it personal without just saying hello ashley llc <laughs>
2: yeah great great question um and so in in those instances and man i'd have to go back and check um but finding a a warmer way to do that or not even, uh, addressing it in a, in a personalized manner at all. Right. So, you know, you might start something with, you know, hi Tony or hi Ashley, uh, in a letter, but build that list out in such a way that if it is an LLC, um, you can go in and, and remove that. So it doesn't look terrible. Like you just said, if I wrote a letter that said, hi, Lee County, LLC, uh, they'd be like, well, clearly they don't know what, what they're doing this. I'm just a number. Um, but, uh, literally building these out was a was a simple mail merge with Microsoft Word uh, and using that Excel file so when the mail merge is complete uh, you can go and customize each one of those letters uh, and so you can go customize the text within those uh, individual uh, letters in this you know this large file this microsoft word file that has 77 letters in it uh, and so at that point you know you can go in and, and delete all right this is an llc when i'm taking out the, the whole top of that the uh, same thing with some of the property addresses where you can kind of tweak it a little bit and, and format it so it looks uh it looks better and there aren't any mistakes right
1: and, and just to clarify what brett's talking about uh, a mail merge is basically you can take data from an excel file and automatically populate a Word document with the data from the Excel file. So instead of how to manually type out 77 letters, you just type the letter once with the mail merge kind of notes, and then it'll do it automatically. So anyway, Google mail merge, and you'll, you'll get a, a pretty quick and thorough explanation on that. Now, Brett, I, w- I want to transition to um, what I think is going to be my favorite part of this episode, which is Getting Ashley over her fear of talking directly to sellers. So we're, we're gonna to get to that in a second, but before we do, let's hear a quick word from our show sponsors.
4: The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting, from finding the best guests to the maintenance to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With vacasa they make that dream into a reality. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home-owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just
5: obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today.
1: All right, Brett, so we are back, and I want to get into uh, your phone's ringing. People are responding to these letters you're sending out. Someone actually calls, and now you've got to talk to someone. So what are you saying when you're actually having these conversations with the sellers?
2: Yeah, it's great, great question, uh, and to back up a step, uh, for me personally, uh, as a, as a screening effort to kind of understand, all right, when is a call coming in, uh, from one of these, one of these mailers? Um, I created just a, a free Google voice number, uh, that, that separated it from my personal number so that that's the number I put on all these letters. Uh, for several different reasons, that's a good idea. But one of the main ones is to segregate that inbound traffic so you really understand, okay, this phone call I'm about to answer I need, I need to answer as, hi, I'm Brett from Team Long Properties, um, uh, and, and have a professional sense to it as opposed to, you know, I don't know who this number is. I'm not picking it up. Um, so, uh, but yes, once they answer, uh, it's typically just, you know, a, a warm greeting like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm Brett from, from Team Long Properties. Uh, who am I, who am I speaking with? Uh, and yeah, you know, they'll, they'll tell me who they are and, and usually they'll they'll give you know, a, a brief introduction but one of the one of the first questions uh, I ask them is so what what made you pick up the phone today what why 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 are we talking uh, right now uh, and you know that's when they typically you know go into a little bit of you know hey either your, your letter spoke to me you know I, it, it was very personal and, and I understand and it it meets you know my expectations for who I'd want to purchase my house or hey I'm I'm in this situation that you know I, I'm just I don't know if I want to sell but I uh, I definitely I definitely might um but I have some questions first. Um and basically that that one question of you know so why did you call me today can open up a lot of different pathways for where that conversation could go. Uh, And, you know, you always have a a call sheet for specific questions you want to know about the property itself. But I think it's very important to take that initial phone call uh, and the first part of that phone call at their pace, right? And kind of letting them dictate the beginning of that conversation. uh, Because, you know, that's kind of how I I want to brand and personalize what I do in uh, real estate investing. Uh, is is this is not a fast pushy thing. This can take as long as we need. I want to make sure that when we're doing this process at the end of it whether it it ends in a transaction or not that you feel good about how things went and I feel good about how things went because if either of those things is not true then this this is not going to work for anybody, right? And this is something I want to continue to do in this market. So I want to make sure that people are, are treated right and and they know that it's more than just a quick sale, fast money approach.
1: Love that approach, Brett. And just one thing I want to share, um, this actually comes from Brett Daniels. I don't think we had him on the Ricky podcast before, but he has a lot of great content around wholesaling and specifically talking to people on the phone. And what he encourages folks to do is to get four things. You want condition the property, their motivation for selling. The timeline and then their asking price. And if you can get those four things, typically allows you to have a really good dialogue around, you know, hey, can we actually make this deal work? So, Ashley, let me ask you hearing that, uh, does it make you less nervous, more excited about talking to people?
0: Well, I've done two batches of mailers and both times I did Google, Google Voice, which I think is a phenomenal tip to give out is to do that because you know that it's somebody calling who got your mailer and it's separate from your cell phone. Um, but on your cell phone, I guess, but not your cell phone number and my immediate reaction. So it was linked to me and my business partner. And like, you know, he would take all the calls, but I still had it linked to my phone. So I could see what's going through and everything. And my immediate reaction would be, don't answer, don't talk to anyone. (laughs) And my job would be, would I would Google the phone number real quick and try to find their address before he even answered the phone and said, hello. But, um, I think we had Nate Robbins on the show and I think he talked more about cold calling where Brett, you're you already have a warm lead where that I feel like I would be way more comfortable with because you already know they're calling because they're interested about something or maybe they're just curious. They want to know what you would pay for their house. But either way, it's not the we're just reaching out for, you know, out of the blue and cold calling them. But Nate was episode 326. If anyone's interested in hearing that side of uh, talking to people on the phone, because I did learn a lot from him too. So Brett, when you're on the phone with people, how are you being transparent about your process of purchasing their home?
2: Uh, yeah, very, very good question. And, and Tony, uh, what you mentioned, uh, I actually dug up uh, my old notebook that has my <laughs> questions, my screening questions uh that I would use and I'd carry around this everywhere just in case somebody called, I could, you know, wrestle it up real quick so I would remember I right, I need to make sure I hit all of these things like you mentioned, like, you know, is it or do you live there? Is it rented? You know, what's the condition of the house? Has any work been done on it recently? You know, do you own it free and clear? You know, a lot of different questions that that lead to that next step in the process to where you figure out, you know, by the end of the call, is this something that we we should take uh, the next step on, is this something you're still interested in? And that's, that's the kickoff for going to ask what you asked about, which is, you know, what does the rest of this process look like? So at that point, you know, you've got a go, no go decision, right? You know, is, after talking with them, you know, they've, they felt me out. I've felt them out. And usually by the end of that conversation, either I realize this is maybe not something I, I want to pursue um, or they realize like maybe i'm just not willing to sell but if they do uh you know i ask is this something you'd like to continue with move forward and and, and move on to next steps and if they say yes i start to explain kind of what that whole process looks like right uh, and and kind of take it high level start to finish to let them know like all right well the next step after this would be you know, me finding some time to come on site and actually see the property uh, and walk the property and uh, verify some of the the key things that we talked about today, uh, and just kind of verify the condition and understand the property itself. Um, after that, um, I need to go back and understand. All right, if there are things that need to be done to the house, I need to run some numbers to figure out is this something that's going to make sense uh, from a from a purchase and rehab standpoint and just being very honest with them and letting them know like hey i understand that uh you may be interested in selling but you know if if these numbers don't make sense this is not something i'm going to be able to move forward with either uh, but if if for some reason we can't move forward you know I'm, I'm happy to help you with the information that i have and figure out what may be the best direction uh for you to go in uh but you know, talking them through that whole process of, all right, after the on-site, we, you know, I may need to get uh, an inspection to understand the property itself even more, depending on what we see, and then at that point, um, we'll talk final numbers. And if we both come to a price that makes sense for both of us, uh, then I start to explain what the actual uh, closing process looks like, so that they have kind of a high level of how the whole thing works up front.
1: Love that, Brett, and I appreciate you walking us through that. I think a lot of folks they they get the idea of sending the mail, but the you know what happens afterwards is where where they get a little nervous. And guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little Easter egg at the end of this episode if our producers will help us out. But I have a hilarious voicemail from a very angry property owner that called me back a few years ago, and I'll, I'll tack it on the end of this episode if you guys want to listen.
5: Hi, Sarah. My name I call bullshit. Uh, you weren't randomly driving around here with cash. I get one to two calls a day for the last two months. I'm an individual who enjoys privacy, but I've been getting one to two calls a day for the last two months of people who think they want to buy my (laughs) property and make money off of it. I'm also a real estate investor, but I'm not stupid. So don't call me again.
1: So Brett, what I want to ask you is, you know, for, for all these deals that you've done, about how much did it actually cost you to get started? Ballpark, what was the total investment for these seven deals?
2: Geez, like the seven deals. Uh, uh, let's see. I think the the first portion uh, a few hundred dollars, and you know, rounding out a second marketing campaign, uh, a few few hundred dollars more. So probably, funny, but probably just under seven hundred dollars uh, for <laughs> for the seven deals. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not anything extravagant, you know, literally the most expensive thing was I bought a printer so that I could, <laughs> so that I could print, all, print these letters. Uh, you know, I found, I found older letters so I could print these letters out. Uh, and there's, there's some more of the personalization where you know, I sign each one um, and printing envelopes uh, and, and stamping and return addresses, but that's literally the most expensive part of that. Outside of that, it's, it's stamps, it's paper. Like it's not a lot of money to get started.
1: But I think you're a shining example of just taking action, not being super fancy about it, not being worried about, you know, step 20 when you're on step one, it's just like, Hey, what can I do next? And how can I keep making progress? And how can I stay consistent? I think it's a super important lesson for rookies that are listening. So uh, I want to finish off, Brad, by asking you, and we touched on this a little bit at the top of the show, but there are a lot of people right now who are worried about investing in real estate interest rates are climbing you've seen prices going up prices going down we've been on this roller coaster ride and a lot of folks are just waiting so what's your take is it is it risky to flip homes right now today
2: uh, it can be if you're not prepared and you don't have a plan right I think now is a great opportunity uh, to get into the market uh, because of that that fear and uncertainty right and and that's that's the environment that I got started in with COVID. I can't tell you how many people told me at the time, "Don't do this. This is not a good idea. Like everything's going to go crazy." Uh, and lo and behold, it was it was actually the best time to get started. Uh, and and I think that's another opportunity uh, coming here soon. But uh, back to to why it's a good time. You have to. You have to know what you're doing. You have to have a, a good buy box. You have to buy properties at the right price. You have to understand the rehab costs and, and what you're doing uh, and underwrite effectively up front uh, so that the numbers don't lie. Right. Uh, and you may have less opportunities now. Um, you know, things may not pencil the way that they used to, but I think going in with, with a very specific plan and understanding very specifically what you want to do and what those numbers look like. Uh I, I think it's a great time. And and especially now uh with off market deals, you know, there's a lot of people who who may want to sell but just can't, right? Uh and that's where that conversation can go, to where they feel like I can't put my my home on the market. You know, there aren't enough buyers out there or, you know, I've wanted to sell my home for so long, but interest rates went up. Uh and and I just don't feel like my property is is marketable enough to, to compete. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. You just have to be very specific about how you're going about it and know your numbers, stick to your numbers.
0: Right. With your profits from the flips, we talked a little bit about how you're flipping to buy rentals. And can you kind of tell us a little bit of how those numbers work out? What is, you know, what are you making on average profit from the flips and then how are you buying using that to buy the rentals?
2: That first property it was listed at a hundred thousand on market. Uh, I offered sixty uh, and got it under contract for seventy. Uh, we ended up putting probably let me see where that number is. Yeah, we put forty-seven thousand dollars in renovations into it, uh, and we had we had conservatively estimated that the ARV was going to be one sixty, and it ended up appraising at one eighty-one. Um, so that's that's a lot more money that we can take out and then reinvest into the next into the next deal Uh, and so basically taking those profits from either a burr and pulling that money out or the revenue from a flip and then rolling that into the next deal
0: well brett thank you for coming on and taking the time to share your process for creating your list creating your buy box and working us through uh, and making me overcome my fear of talking to people And I think Jody was too kind when he said it was talking to sellers it's uh, or potential sellers. I think it's just people in general <laughs> answering the phone. But um, if you want to find out more information about Brett or about Tony or I, we are going to link Brett's website and our social media handles into the show description. You can find that below if you're watching on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. So I hope you guys learned a ton as to how you can take action today with building your buy box doing driving for dollars, building that list out and sending out those personalized mailers and waiting for the phone to ring. And I know it's around the holidays and this is going to be released into January, I believe. But I will tell you, last year I sent out mailers and I didn't realize what I was doing. And they got delivered to everyone the day before Christmas Eve. And I thought this is the worst timing. You have no idea how many times I phone rang that day. (laughs) And so don't don't worry about you know waiting until the perfect time to send the mailers either just start taking action you know we send another round of them a month later two months later three months later so well brett thank you very much i'm ashley and he's tony and we will be back with another guest and we'll see you guys in the real estate rookie podcast yeah. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes.